0: What is up, designers, and welcome back to the Grand Design Podcast. This is a super, 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 super critical episode, as all of them are. But this episode goes down a long and windy rabbit hole, embellishing what I talked about in the last podcast episode. You know, in a nutshell, um, this episode is all about how the internet marketers are wrong, okay? Uh, a lot of marketers and the tools they use, and their approach to doing so, and their dogma in doing so, the things that they believe. Uh, their reasoning behind the things they do is what's holding a lot of the world and people in the world back from actually changing it. Okay, like uh, a lot of people believe that the way like the way to change the world uh, and create social movements in the world. Um, the way to create culture is through marketing is, is to market hard and change the beliefs in, in the identity of people in society. But uh, and so in in, in, in uh, correspondence with that belief, they say things like it's not the thing. It's the marketing of the thing when in reality, like that's completely wrong. None of that, like none of that is true. That's propaganda that the marketers are using to bamboozle you into being a better marketer when being a better marketer and learning a new market technical strategy is not actually what you need. Um, And, you know, I was bamboozled, too, and that's why I'm so passionate about this. Uh, This episode will unveil actually what it is that you need, because marketing does not change the world. Teaching people things that are new ideologies and new paradigms does not change people. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) that's that's pretty much what this episode is all about. uh, So the headline for this episode, despite that being what the episode is primarily about, uh, the headline for that is that in these ideas, you'll discover how an episode are kind of like, attached. The headline is that I believe everybody's obligation, like being poor, it's, 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 it is not just, and eh, it, like, being poor is the destruction of your You'll never live a happy life poor. And I believe everybody, the biggest thing that could change their life and have a most positive impact on their life is being wealthy and being rich in an immense way. And so I talk about all of that in this freaking episode, and it, it's just a mind, like, a mind, like, I don't know, like, um, so if you enjoy this episode, please rate and read this episode and subscribe to this podcast. I also want to say before I get into the podcast episode, we have a summit upcoming called the Surviving the Cancel Summit. And you, if you're somebody who wants to actually create impact in the world, okay? If you want to really change people's lives in such a visceral, in such a raw way that they become true fans of you and your business and begin to evangelize your message. If you want to create social movements and culture instead of just profit um then this is the event for you uh it's called the surviving the cancel summit and you know i took 30 of the top influencers podcasters entrepreneurs and i just asked them you know let's say out of nowhere a couple of freaking they call them marxists nowadays i don't know. i'm not going to use any of the hype terms cuz i'm just playing around i don't i think they're like deadly serious or something like that um Some like some crazy socialists or something like that just decided they didn't like the idea behind your business or they didn't like your personal life or your personal opinion. Which this just happened to somebody recently from where we from in Maryland. I don't know whether he was right or wrong because I don't really pay attention all that often to things like that to be completely honest. But uh, and they decide they're going to cancel you and withdraw support from your business within 30 days. So, how within 30 days? Do you formulate a social movement, a counter-social social movement around your business to essentially survive and not get banished to what I call just another land, which just another land is like when you're just another business and no one cares about you and your message is lost in the noise because it's being suppressed. Uh, so I, I asked 30 of the top people who've actually done this, who have millions of followers and millions of listeners, how would they create a social, a counter-social movement around their business? Which... If you want to phrase it in normal people's terms, how do you create a social movement around your business? Um, Yeah, uh, it is going to be a completely insane summit. It's an entirely free virtual summit. It's all online. And if you want to go to that summit, you can go to www.survivingthecancel.com. That's www.survivingthecancel.com. Without further ado, I'm going to actually start the podcast episode. Peace out. How do people like us? the visionaries the creatives real people with real ideas people who don't have mass budgets platforms or teams and people who live in this noisy world dominated by internet gurus influencers and big brands the people attempting to make a dream on our own dollar how do we get our ideas to pierce through all the noise and not only a massive but a massively profitable way that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dallas, and this is Grand Design, the podcast about taking the ideas in your head, and pushing them out into the world, and becoming massive things. What is up, designers? Um, today, I want to talk about why most people should make it their primary mission in life to secure some type of immense wealth. Um, I think being extremely rich, which is why I decided myself to become, in this lifetime, extremely, extremely rich, is a big domino that if a lot of people knock down, one of the big dominoes, but one of the primary big dominoes, that um, which is implied by saying a big domino in the first place, that if a lot of people knocked down, would experience a more healthy, more joyful, more exciting, and just a more consecutively tranquil day to day is what I mean by consecutively life overall, and that why is a lot of people treat it as a luxury. It is not a luxury. And I believe conversely, if you don't get rich, you'll lead you will lead a very horrid life. It, it'll be filled with some pretty horrifying things. Um, in term, and I mean all that in terms of your relationships with people. Now, a lot of you, this might for you, a lot of you, this might be a no brainer. You might be like, no duh, why are you telling me that? But um, for a lot of you, you might you know think being rich is not a crucial thing. It's not an important thing. When, in fact, it really is. Now, regardless of which side you take, which way you believe, I think the reasoning behind this is the most important feature of this debate, you know, my reasoning behind this is the most important reason I'm bringing this idea to you today in the first place. Okay, because this reasoning is very, very important because I think it reveals for people who want to, which is what this podcast is all about, push their ideas out in the world, in the form of social movements, um, people who want to change the world, people who want to impact the world in a real and visceral way, um, I think this will reveal that why using the identity of the internet marketer, while using the tool of marketing, while trying to change people's ideas, why trying to change people's ideas and beliefs in order to change their life and to change their habits, um, this kind of story and, and this reasoning that I going to explain to you really helps reveal why that is the, like, you're mistaken if you're doing that. Like, that is the incorrect path and the incorrect pro- approach to solving, uh, to impacting the world in the way you want to. And why largely using marketing in and things like that and trying to teach people, trying to coach people, trying to tell people the right way is, is completely ineffective. You know, a lot of people believe they can Build their ideas more, more and more big, and get a lot of traction that actually viscerally change people, change people by marketing to them better. Um, but that's actually not true, and it's a reason why I feel like a lot of people's ideas get lost in the noise of the internet, and why they never gain traction, why they never gain social momentum. Um, and it also, re- you know, it'll reveal this reasoning and I'm gonna explain to you uh, what you're missing. Okay. And so that's why I'm bringing this episode to you today. Um, to start laying the foundation of that reason, I want to really bring you back to when I was like younger, in my teenage years, like 12 to 20, or something like that. Um, in my teenage years, particularly when I began to learn more and more about entrepreneurialism and um, a lifestyle outside of the status quo, when I started to become a designer, that was really when life took a turn um, and really became like night and day for me. Okay, and night meaning regular, it was cool. Um, and uh, I said night means regular, day means regular, it was cool. And night means it was kind of hellish. And I mean all this, like I said, in terms of the relationships with people around me. The relationships were either cool and tranquil, cordial, or they were hellish, they were malicious. They were violent. They were aggressive. They were parasitic. They were dark. Okay. And I, I, tell me if you've experienced this. As you, I mean, this has always been a way of life. But as you progress more and more and more into ideas that are foreign and alien to the culture and society, to the people that you're around, whether it be parents, siblings, friends, strangers, the more uh, uh, the more your day begins to uh, oscillate between day and night, I mean, between joy and hell, like the frequency begins to pick up the more you progress into ideas that people around you don't really relate to, um, is that something that you've experienced, I mean, to give you an example of this, think of like, um, a relationship because everybody has experienced this in a relationship in one way or another, um, whether it's with the person that you're with now or a person that was previous, uh, something, if you've witnessed a parent's divorce, you've witnessed this, okay, um, Closing up on the dates to where they begin to divorce, um, more and more frequently do days take take left turns and, and just go to hell out of nowhere. You know, uh, there'll be a lot of times where it's a tranquil, regular, healthy day and just seemingly out of the blue, arguments just start. Um, and it begins to happen a lot. It begins to become part of regular routines until the point where the person that you're dealing with in a relationship Maybe you did something wrong. Maybe you, did a, you made a mistake um, and just suddenly the person that you're dealing with because you've committed an error or because you made a mistake or something like that, have you ever experienced this? They just go cold. Have you ever been dealing with a person in life and maybe you didn't even commit a mistake? Maybe you didn't even commit an offense. Maybe you've just been dealing with a person in life and just suddenly one day they just turn ice cold. And they treat you as if you are nothing. They treat you as if you're a stranger. Like they never recognized you in the first place. They treat you like dirt. They treat you like they don't like everything that you've done for them in your life has just suddenly been erased. And only the negative things that you've ever done is what continues to exist. Have you ever felt like that? Like, have you ever felt like somebody, like a switch just flipped in the brain of whoever you were dealing with and they just would do anything to kill you so suddenly? They would do anything to absolutely destroy you. They say all the worst things. They do everything in their possible, but you know, in, in their, in their, um, they, they use every trick or tip, you know, every every strategy in their repertoire to just hurt you. Is that something that you've experienced? If you can relate to that experience, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Um, for me, entering in my teenage years and entering in a new identity that people didn't understand was very similar to heading towards a divorce or heading towards a breakup when something just stops feeling right. And that's, like I said, with all relationships across the board, not just parents, not just siblings or strangers or things like that. It was just with everybody. My life had began to go that way. Okay. And more and more frequently arguments would happen every single day. What I wanted more than anything at that point in time was to First off, for myself, live the life that I always dreamed. I wanted to get away from that stupid nine to five or whatever I was working and, and just to live a real life. And so I actually eventually end up dropping out of school and quitting my job, which is when things just extremely blew up. Um, I wanted to get away from that life and I wanted to have enough money, and, and you know, to afford travel and, you know, the amenities of life that I always dreamed. Fancy cars, a nice house, separation from my family to live on my own and be an individual and be happy with my girlfriend. Um, I wanted to work for my passions. And so, you know, I started to recognize vehicles in life that were contrary to the vehicles that I grew up on. Like the vehicles that I grew up on were go to college, get a career, and this new vehicle was to make a business. So I started to realize new vehicles in my life that I felt could serve my life better and the more i learned about these vehicles besides what i wanted for myself there was a layer of altruism i wanted to also help and convert the people around me to these new vehicles and so that they can live better lives you know i would i literally felt on a lot of occasions where i was handing the people in my life the keys to the specific lifestyle the you know the pacific pacific specific version of realities that they themselves said they wanted and that i truly believe that they wanted because the people will say they want something, but I can tell they don't really want it. But I would listen closely to people, what people want, what they, what they said. They felt in their heart that they want it. And I felt like a lot of with a lot of things that I would learn, maybe it would be about diet, or maybe it would be about entrepreneurship, or maybe it would be about fashion, because there are so many things we learn as teenagers in this age of information. There was so much data and epiphanies coming in, and I always say this on every podcast, but a lot of my times in my life, one of the biggest things to me was converting the people around me and empowering them so they can actually get to where they want to go so so they could actually achieve something and be happy in the ways that they think they can or, or they, they thought they would always be rather. And so a lot of my life I spent getting excited about ideas and how they would change my life and going to tell people and having them not understand or even worse throughout time as I would tell people more and more of my ideas and more of the things that I felt could change their life and more of the things that were contrary to the culture and the things that they grew up believing. Uh, The more and more, you know, rather than just them not understanding, we started to argue, learning new things and embodying an entirely new identity. Like I said, going into my later teenage years had really resulted in an environment of turmoil. And so while I'm wanting to change people, while I'm wanting to help people, while I'm wanting to help myself. um, Growing up, man, a lot of people started to go cold on me. Growing up, a lot of the people that I thought would have my back forever when I quit my job and quit college and started working on my business started to be extremely violent, extremely malicious, extremely negative. You know, I was called everything. Like I got called I had a psychological disorder. I was said I had a bum, I was a bum. I said they said I had a personality disorder, I said I had schizophrenia, that it would never work. These people were scamming me. And over time, as I continued to work at the things that I believed in, it only got worse and worse and worse and worse. You know, how many people just because of what they believed in? And this is why I think as the designers in this podcast, we should be so vehemently against cancel culture because this is literally cancel culture. This is actually cancel culture. You know, uh, cancel culture is not just about canceling people's opinions. It's about canceling people's innovations um, and the differences that make them great and trying to make a homogenous world. Um, but I'm going a little bit off track here. Um, how many of you have experienced this? You know, you try to be something different than what your parents want you to be or what, your, what, what people in life generally expect you to be. And you get a lot of backlash when you start pursuing that and you lose a lot of love and you lose a lot of support. And it kind of is akin to when you're in that relationship and suddenly the person just goes cold and they'll do anything to destroy you. How many people have felt that level of vitriol from the people that were supposed to love you? You know, um, now don't get me wrong. It's not a distract to anybody in particular. You know, I love my family. I'm very cool. Very cordial with my family. They have done so much for me to this very, and, and continue to do so much for me to this very day. And all of us, we would be nothing without them. You know, uh, that's just the honest to God truth. You know, we needed them and the things that they were saying, maybe we misunderstood, Okay, that's a complete possibility. My version of reality is not dogma to me. It doesn't mean just because I felt like this was happening that that's like 100% objectively what ha- what was happening. But that was my experience from the inside looking you know, towards the people in my life, of life in my later teenage years. I started transitioning into this identity of the marketer, this identity of the entrepreneur, this identity of the designer and the innovator, someone like Steve Jobs. And a lot of my life had gone cold around me. And it got so cold into the fact that I would stay home, uh, like like uh, living in the same house as the people around me. I would literally avoid them every single day. I went months and months and months on end without seeing my own family. And it didn't stop at family. It was extended to friends, it extended to various different uh, groups, relation, relational groups that I had in my life. Okay, and so what well, you know, it was it was a lot of my life had just turned in on me and had began to cannibalize itself. The friends that I had, the joy that I had, became hate and became enemies. Um, and that's the kind of you know feeling that I'm talking about. And I, it was something that was very scary to me because I remember on a, a numerous occasions. Tell me if you felt like this before. I remember just thinking like. I never, you know, I never foresaw something like this. Like I never thought that you, of all people, or you all, of all factions, would treat me this way. Like I said, it was—it's it's as if you know what you mean to them and what you've meant to them and all you've done for them is completely erased, and something flips in their brain, and they just—they only see the negative, okay? And so for a long time. Wanting to help people, uh, I would, you know, in trying to to reverse the situation, because there would be for me with so many different people in my life in arguments like nightly, like seriously, like bad arguments um, where a lot of bad things were said and a lot of feelings were hurt. And, that you know, a lot of these arguments even brought me to tears uh, as well as other people, because I would, you know, always defend myself, I would lash back in return. And sometimes I would even attack from the stress of a prior argument. And so I wasn't the you know I wasn't the protagonist of this story, or or a um, uh, paragon in any sort of way. And so it you know it was a lot of turmoil. But you know as whereas we would have nightly arguments every single day, um, I would try to use you know because I believe marketing was a way to formulate my ideas, knock down you know in a way that knocked down the false beliefs in people's heads, and. Uh, Convert them to my way of thinking. That's what I consider marketing to be, because that is, in a in a way, what marketing is: is the reorganization, reshifting of uh, beliefs in people's minds, so that they can, so that you can uh, insert within them a new and more positive belief. But um, every single day, with within these arguments that I would have with all these different people in my life, I would always try, because this was my goal, to get them to see my way of seeing things. I would try to get them to believe that they could change their life that things could be different try to get them to believe and see the usefulness of this new way of living that i had just discovered i would tell them so many stories i would tell them so many so many so much give show them so much proof so much show them so much evidence i would i would i would do it all you know uh not only like i said not only to quell the flames that had burst around me it's like it's like when your girlfriend's leaving um because she's just something just changed within her and you're trying to tell her and get her to remember like don't you remember all these things that we did all these all these trips all these vacations all this love that we had don't you remember all this it was like that I'm trying to get them to remember trying to get them to feel trying to get them and beyond like I said trying to douse the flames that had spawned like you trying to save a relationship uh, even in times of there where it was a little more peaceful which albeit became rare at one point um I was trying to get them to understand that this was the key for both of us and so a lot of it, there was a lot of missionary work going on in my life you know how a missionary travels the world and tries to get people to understand a new religion a new paradigm um that was it for me i was trying to get people who were because i grew up in a, in a in a way where there was a lot of turmoil um and there was a lot of areas of non-turmoil but there was a I mean turmoil in terms of finances. There was a lot of people around me, not even that I were uh, necessarily had a familiar relationship with, but even just strangers, people I would see on the streets. There were a lot of people in that area of the world um, that were struggling, struggling in their health, struggling in their finances, struggling in their confidence and their esteem and, and in their mindset. There was a lot of uh, parasitic... Schools of thought in, in all these domains and, and many more that I just listed that was tearing apart the lives of the people that I had grown around in the culture that I had frequented. Maybe even some friends, like uh, the people I went to school with, became murderers. There are two murderers that lived on my block, that lived where I, like literally in the neighborhood that I lived in, two of them became murderers, convicted behind bars. You know, like. That's what I'm talking about. There were a lot of, you know, even, even, even like my own brothers in prison to 2030. There were a lot of ideas that we would mull on that we would consider that would just destroy us and tear us apart. And I would spend so much try- time trying to dispel those ideas as well as to get back to on loving terms with the people that I did love. Okay. And it would just never work whenever I would enter that mode or, you know, uh, express that I wanted something different for my life. Um, the world around me would just go up in flames and I didn't understand it for a while I was like why are these people attacking me for simply having stating a difference in opinion and pursuing what I wanted and dreamed from my life why is this happening have you ever felt like why is this happening have you ever thought that and I remember watching Owen Cook okay I remember watching o, uh, an Owen Cook video Owen Cook someone I, I look up to a lot he ran he runs well, he ran the company Real Social Dynamics, and he'd always put out these YouTube videos two-hour, three-hour, four-hour YouTube videos um, just really explaining social dynamics, explaining the dynamics of people. And one thing that he was always, always talk about over and over again that really helped me understand the situation was the RAS, the Reticular Activation System. It's essentially the brain's selective attention. Okay, and he would express so many different times within his life where some of the same things happen, and just as I'm doing now, he'd explain because he goes out and he dates a lot. You know, he would explain a lot of times like the reticular activation system, the selective attention within people. He'd explain a lot of times where it simply flipped. Okay, where you're in a relationship, he would explain, and you're having a good time with the future significant other person that you're dealing with, um, the selective attention. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's focusing all on all the positive, all the potential, uh, all, all the beauty of you as a person, you know, when you're happy with somebody, all the flaws and the things that they've done, it uh, starts to subside and take a back, you know, a back seat to what, you know, what you think is at that time more important. But he describes something called a RAS flip when the opposite of that happened, when those are those moments where in the brains of the person that you're dealing with, you know, uh, it, it something would just change. It would just flip overnight and they would begin to like everything that was positive would take a backseat or completely vanish and only the negative would occur to you to them. Only the negative would be at the forefront. And you would try so hard to market to them a difference of opinion or at least broker a brokerage of peace. Like you would try to market these different ideas. Like we can we can work this out. We can change this. You would try to give them something new to work with. Okay. And, uh, so he explained the RRS flip a lot through a series of videos, but it wasn't really coming up to on, on, you know, onto some of the later years of my life, uh, because he would often explain actionable methods to deal with this, but I don't think it was really later until I understood through his, one of his videos, the principles that actually put the, um, put this RAS, made this RAS flip happen in the first place. And, um you know really uh, the the primary guiding principle behind it was this there are two parts of the brain okay and essentially inside of every human being there are two people there is uh the prefrontal lobe i guess you would call it uh the neocortex the the new brain that is the part of you that is kind of like human okay that's the part of you that has things like ethics and, um, you know, I might be, I'm not like a brain scientist, so I might be getting these parts of the brain wrong, but uh, the prefrontal cortex is like abstract thought and reasoning and, you know, uh, the ways, you know, the things that we know and believe, rather, our knowledge and beliefs, um, they exist, you, you know, as, whereas animals don't have knowledge and beliefs and things like that. They exist, like things like religion, you know, they exist in the prefrontal cortex they exist in the new brain um the upper layer of the human brain and um that is really what like person our personality and like the things that we believe are ethical and not ethical and and what was funny and you know all of our personality is kind of centered right then and there okay and most of the time in life we would go through life interfacing with somebody's um prefrontal cortex. We would be talking to the human being in the situation. But whereas a lot of people are people, um, because of how evolution works, just it's like the uh, the hierarchy of needs. When you proceed up each level of the hierarchy, you still keep the level under it. And so while the human beings are operating normally from the prefrontal cortex, the animal brain or the crack brain, whatever you want to call it, below the prefrontal cortex, deeper in the mind, still is there and still functions. It still runs a majority of uh, of the ways we perform as human beings. It still influences a lot of our behaviors. Um, and so, th- what Owen Cook uh, describes in his videos was that, you know, while the prefrontal cortex is there and while it's functioning every single day, um, an Aureus flip would occur because the animal brain was triggered. And began running the show. Something that happened on the forefront of reality, you know, um, uh, um, it alerted the person that you or whatever you represent was negative for their survival. Okay, and then from there, the forefront of the brain shut down, and the survival mechanisms began kind of to take over. And when rationale, what they know and believe to be true, went out the window, they were operating from, a, a, you know, some of the lower and more negative emotions. They were operating from a place of, let's say, fear. You know, something that you did maybe triggered them, made, made them fearful. And so the animal brain, the thing about the prefrontal cortex is it, it has ethics and morals and things like that because it is considerate of other people. And, and, and therefore, as a function, it is considerate of, of other people. You know, it's like animals and things like that. Animals, since they are running from literally the animal brain, all animals know how to do really is survive. Like they're not really considerate of other animals. And that's what makes humans different from animals. Animals, they can't like build like a road, let's say, because they don't care about other like, you know, what I'm saying human beings build entire networks and entire cities because they can look and they can do, you know, one thing that other animals can't really do. They can empathize. They can see and determine how other people are feeling. But that function kind of collapses when the animal brain takes over. That's why animals, like I said, they don't have roads that other animals can use even if they don't. They don't do gestures that are, you know, that are meaningful outside of what their DNA dictates. Okay? And so when the animal brain takes over, empathy is kind of relinquished. Empathy is kind of crushed in this person's brain. Something in them triggered and they are concerned about their survival. Now they might seem silly, but in the modern world, there are because the world is evolving faster than you know the uh, the, the 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 human systems can. Um, a lot of things in the world actually trigger that animal brain and trigger our need to survive within an environment. You know, you'll feel a lot of things that you know provoke adrenaline rushes or provoke. Um, The nervous one of the I don't know if it's the parasympathetic or the sympathetic, it it provokes the nervous system to to react, and you know you feel the hormones and adrenaline being released in your brain. One such thing is public speaking. Those systems in your body that you feel turning on are meant to they're associated with feeling threatened. Okay, there's no threats in public speaking, but the human brain, uh, the way it's wired, it just isn't advanced enough yet, I guess, or it hasn't caught up to the fact that. You know, it doesn't recognize that is what I'm saying. Cities and things kind of sprouted a little too fast for our minds to keep up with. And so things that have no inherent danger to them still signal danger. And I don't know all the you, you're going to have to ask Owen Cook about all the details behind that. But a lot of this would happen in relationships where the the, the ethical, the empathetic brain was shut down and the animal brain would turn on. And that's what's called a RAS flip. And. They're just doing anything to destroy you, or purge their relationship with you, and survive, and get out of there because they see you as an enemy. And then maybe every now and then that they'll come back to you, and their their knowledgeable brain will be turned on and it'll be working. But then you'll trigger them again. That's that's a lot of what triggering like triggering is. You trigger them again, and then it, you know the fights and the violence and the aggressiveness have just continued. You'll see this cycle perpetually with parents that are either nearing divorce or divorced, and so. That RAS flip is what I experienced a lot when I was growing up. And so I was knocking on the door, you know, trying to, uh, not a literal door, but on the door uh, with each argument, trying to reverse that RAS flip, trying to get them to, uh, trying to get the person that I know is inside of there and not the animal, because we all are animals in some way or another, um, to come back to the forefront, to live, to exist, and to, uh, Bond with me in a way that was human, that I and that that showed love for each other, Um but a lot of that was just gone. A lot of that was in a window. No matter what idea I tried to market to the person that I was talking to, or the people that I was talking to, okay. But learning that it was a R.E.S. flip kind of furthered my knowledge. To go a little further down that rabbit hole, you know, and this is kind of like my own splicing of that that idea of 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 the R.E.S. flip in the animal brain. Um, people this is what I learned from that situation rather what is what I learned from Owen's cook teachings people are feedback loops okay and so you give them an input let me let me talk a little bit further about um, the brain okay uh, we have a finite amount of willpower okay I want I want to start on that base so you know we have a finite amount of willpower in our brain Uh And whereas a lot of people think they're making decisions from the forefront of their brain, from their neocortex, the willpower that the neocortex can actually employ is very, very limited, okay? Which is the reason why, you know, even with parents that are trying to, like, becoming divorced or you arguing with your girlfriend, her coldness eventually uh, uplifts, like, it eventually uh, uh, alleviates and there will be moments of peace. Because the poor, you know, the you know, you know, the frontal lobe, it still like it still exists. It still knows right from wrong. It still knows you as a person. It still knows all of this stuff, okay. Even even if um, and one of the tricky things is like the animal brain will feel threatened, and then the, free, the prefrontal lobe, the prefrontal cortex will justify it with with thoughts and rationale, um, which is a lot about marketing and sales. Like marketing marketers know, like you know, you feel things first as a feeling, and then you justify it. You know everything starts as a feeling, but to go along the lines of what I was saying, the the the, the willpower that we can exert in our brain—that is a, a symptom of our prefrontal cortex—that is something of our front frontal lobe. Um, like I said I might be getting the brain parts completely wrong, but the principle still applies. Is extremely limited, and so our bodies do whatever we can to to reserve that that willpower. Okay, and when it when it runs out, then we are just completely animal brain, and so. You'll see, why a lot of people think they're making decisions in their life, the animal inside them, rather, is actually making decisions. And so it'll be like something like a diet. At the beginning of the day, because that willpower is still there and intact, it's easy to maintain a diet. But as the day kind of drags on, um, it becomes harder and harder and harder. And when you get to the end of the day, and that pack of cookies is on the table, and the animal brain doesn't know the pact you you made with yourself in the forefront of your brain, your upper brain, um, that what you know and believe no longer counts, and the animal is just going to eat those cookies anyway. You understand what I mean? The animal wants things done. Like you know, even if you know and believe that you should exercise, at the end of the day, the animal brain is going to tell you not to, even if you know and believe that's that's what you should be doing, and so. A lot of our arguments would happen a little, like like very late in the day. Have you ever had like an experience where you would like you had like a parent or a friend or similar or something like that? Like they'd be cool and calm in the beginning of the day, but as the day drags on, as they become maybe more hungry and more exhausted, they become more irritable and more violent. Um, it's because that willpower in the in, in the upper brain is wearing out, and the animal brain is kind of turning on and mandating all those decisions. Um, yeah, so what I learned about that, just to kind of put this in a little bit of a nutshell that makes a little more sense, is that human beings are a feedback loop. You understand what I mean? And and this is what, you know, this is what, I don't know if Owen Cook explained this to me. I think it was a mixture between Owen Cook and this long journey that I had as a marketer that kind of explained this. Human beings are like a feedback loop, okay? And what that essentially means is that you put in things, like you, they're like, or you, the, the world around it, puts and in inputs okay and what comes out is outputs okay so you can be nice to people and they'll be nice to you back but when you begin to do things wrongly even if unintentional then in some way shape or form that'll be expressed to you um maybe you have like a wife let's say and she's not very loving you know it's just not she's not mean but she's not very loving um, I believe all these things can be fixed if you just examine and experiment with the inputs that you're putting into a person and we're no different no one's any different than anybody else we're just a feedback loop a series of inputs and outputs if there is any pain in a relationship that you have with somebody or a group of people then the inputs are just wrong okay and so what a lot of us assumes you know what 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 marketing does it is it, it assumes that a lot you know uh people you know we can we can we can get desired outputs simply by working our hardest to put in great inputs by mining the data of the marketplace who is represented, representing this situation by the person that we're talking to mining the data because all of life is simply just data discovery you know uh it is weird because i was talking to my girlfriend about this other day all of life is really just discovering data that already exists um a business for example is just it's just you know you find out what people want that that data is already somewhere in the world i mean nothing is is new like you just go and lo- like find it you go and figure it out okay uh learning how to start a business is like going and find out from the people who already start businesses like what is the data and how do we put it together okay and so a lot of marketers assume that you like it, uh, um, you're putting data into a person and you're getting positive returns. And so when I got to the phase in my life where in the later teenage years, when I was getting all the, to all these different arguments, um, I was trying my best to put in a lot of different data and experiment with the outcomes, experiment with the outputs. But a lot of what I was experiencing, despite you know my best data mining and discovery of what this person needed and what this person wanted, was a lot of the same jaded, nasty outputs. Okay. And uh, so no matter you know, how I worked that feedback loop and tried to get the best output for myself and everybody involved, um, I would just always get the same negativity. I would always get the same coldness and brutality in return over and over and over again. And that's something that really confuses me to this this day because like even as marketers, even as people who run big businesses, um, you know, a lot of people will try to change the world by working that feedback loop that they have with their customer base or with their client base. Um, let's say you're, you're um, uh, a weightlifting coach or something like that. You're, you're a gym owner or something like that. A lot of gym owners will try to like, uh, they'll, they'll, you know, or let's say, yeah, yeah, something like that. They will try to go approach their client base and change their lives and therefore create a social movement by changing a bunch of people's lives viscerally to the point where they become evangelists for what you do in your message. And therefore, change the world and change culture by marketing to these people a new ideology, for example. And so they would come to these people where they would just like, I know this is an like extremely like, wordy episode. I'm sorry about that. But anyhow, they would try to teach them a new diet or something like that. Let's say it's like the keto diet. Oh, it's the keto diet. But despite the fact that we're teaching this mass of people these different diets through these videos and these courses and we're marketing and knocking down all of their beliefs, there is an overwhelming people in those courses and in society at large that your message will never reach. It just gets lost in the noise. So where we're promoting all these different diets, vegetarian, vegetarian, vegan, and and even look at the world at large. The world is doing this to its own self. Like um, There's a large marketing of the idea that we all have to be skinny and petite and beautiful and have abs and things like that, right? And despite how much that has been marketed throughout the course of our lives, um, those beliefs... Have been shattered over and over again, but despite there's still an overwhelming degree of people in the world that are that are obese. There are a lot of people in a rising number of people that are struggling with their weight. So if this idea has been marketed ferociously, okay, how is that happening? Like, what 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 is going on here? And so. Back to the situation at hand, I'm kind of like struggling on the direction to take this podcast. There's so much to talk about. Um, so there's the feedback loop of me and, 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 and the people in my family and I'm trying to market it there, these ideas to, them, to change it, But it feels like there's a wall between us um, and I didn't understand why. As, as time has gone on, like I said, this is something I observed with every business across every industry in the entire world. Okay, Um But what I didn't realize is this. I don't even know if I want to branch into this idea yet. What you realize as time goes on is that where you have this feedback loop open with the person that you're communicating with at all times, you're not the only one putting inputs into that feedback loop. A lot of the feedback that we get from society at large is tainted by other, you know, other inputs that are going on around them, and so, you know, whereas you threaten someone's, which, which, whereas, whereas um, a lot of people, you might be getting negative input back, um, a lot of it might come from the ways people are living, and you Owen Cook talked a lot about this, like, uh, people around, around you, you know, they just, they go, they go to work, and then they eat bad, and they get, they drive all the way home, and, you know, a lot of people, like, they don't have even enough happiness, enough willpower, enough for you know upper brain function at the end of the day to even maintain like their own happiness, and so they're just irritated and mad because they live unfulfilling and unstifling life, and then they watch the news, and then the news are telling them an entirely new set of things, um, and so as I grew up and you know put into put myself into the role of marketer and tried to change the world. Through marketing to the world, new ideologies and new ways of living, I quickly realized like I was in competition with a lot of different sources uh, of ideas, a lot of different messages that were targeting some of the same people. And this is where a lot of us get messed up. A lot of us, we get into wars, and our noise like we it, like it creates a lot of noise. Like they call it like the, like the loudest wins is what they say. The loudest, the biggest message wins. And so we get into this habit of like trying to mess, like trying to like, like uh uh, uh what is what is the word? Uh, market our ideas harder and brand them harder and bigger and better and run the biggest campaigns that the world has ever seen over and over and over again to try like try to really change people. And a lot of us get like we fall into the same cycle that I fell in, trying to tell people these messages that I was saying either to put the fires out in their life or to bring them to a, to put them put us both away from punishment or to bring us both to reward. And a lot of it just gets. Get, keeps hitting the wall and hitting, hit, you know, get, getting lost in the noise, and um, even when you do get a client, okay, even when you do win the battle sometimes, for some reason, whereas when other people win the battle, everyone's excited, like, they're excited to work with them, they're excited, you know, they're they they they're super, like, uh, energized and happy, and, and, like, they're they're completely changed, but when I would win the battle, when I would get a client or a customer, Because I was the loudest for once. They wouldn't really care. You know, people like Russell Brunson, when he wins the battle with the rest of the world, his message is so loud. The people who come into his business, they're evangelists of his message. Like, it, it impacts them on such a visceral level that, you know, they join his social movement. And therefore, he's able to create culture and revolutionize the world. And, you know, you'll see this a lot. You know, whereas, you know, the world is, as Peter Thiel calls it, in a power law. And certain people will have monopolies over certain markets. And so there will be people like Russell Brunson who has a monopoly over a market. Everybody hears him and everybody loves his message and everybody goes to him. Um, he's the loudest in the market. But then you'll have people like you and I, our messages get lost in the noise over and over and over again. And as time had began began to go on, because I was so frustrated at not being able to change people, not being able to impact people um, and getting negativity or, or confusion or some, some, some emotion that I didn't want from the feedback loops that I was running and from the inputs that I was putting into those loops and I experimented with it so many different times. Um, I just began to sit back and really analyze what was it that made certain sources of inputs more visceral than others, okay? Some, you know, the, parent, the ideas that my parents or my siblings or everybody else were, were running on they were coming from somewhere. Maybe it was coming from the news and CNN. This was a very visceral one. Um, a lot of the things that you see on news and CNN would, uh, you know, a lot of people. That's all they talk about and all they think about all day, every day. But even more so, a lot of people talk about and think about things from CNN. But then there were other even bigger sources of media that they would talk about and act on. Because a lot of things that people know and believe, they don't act on. You understand what I'm saying? Am I making any sense right now? Like they don't act on it. Like it, it doesn't like put a battery in there back to the point where they actually get up and and, and 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 go and do something about it. Okay, so I started to analyze the difference between these two. You know, you know, you know how they were putting in inputs and how I was putting in inputs. And this is one of the things that I came to realize. You know. Whereas I'm putting in inputs and marketing, I'm trying to change the beliefs and ideas that people have. I started to reflect on, you know, this teaching of Owen Cook and so many different things. And I started to realize, well, I'm trying to change what people know and believe. But that's the thing of the the upper, you know, upper brain, the frontal lobe. But here's the thing. I don't know. I, I, this is such a long episode. I'm, I'm lost myself. I don't even know where I realized this but I realized just suddenly one day that the biology runs the show and I guess analyzing these other sources of inputs like these people who changed the world like Steve Jobs for example or Elon Musk who were the loudest in at the top of the mountain one thing that they did differently I noticed as a pattern is that their inputs would not only you know, target the like the the upper brain, but it would also target the animal brain. I it, guess it's it's, it's, it's kind of confusing, but you know, whereas I'm trying to, to you know put these arguments as a teenager, trying to put these arguments by telling them new things that I believe and formatting them in a way that makes them believe it too. One of the inputs that I neglected to check, I guess, one of the that I neglected to combat or or even to think about it at all was environment, okay? And so while while one of the biggest things that, that motivates people, one of the big things to motivate people to move is uh, what they know um, and what they believe one of the bigger things, you know, because we are humans, we are just animals at the end of the day. And one of the bigger things that actually control how the animal reacts to the things it knows and believes or the ideas that are coming to its head is demonstration of that knowledge and that belief or or a ease of access to, to the use, use of that knowledge and belief in its immediate environment. Does that make any sense at all? Um, how do I explain this? So, whereas... I would talk to the upper brain. You know, like most gym owners or somebody online that's marketing really hard talks to the upper brain. They try to change people in their habits and what they do by telling them a new thing to do. They So they knock down all the beliefs and replace a new belief in their brain. But check this out. When someone wakes up in the morning, right, because their alarm is ringing, they have two options. They have the option to wake up. And go work out or whatever they said they would do when they set that alarm this morning. Or they could go to sleep. If they're waking up for personal reasons to work out and you know do all that sexy stuff that you know we all do and we want to look good or whatever it might be, chances are they'll go to sleep. Despite the fact that they know and believe they're getting overweight and in and their and their they're, they're, um you know, they, they might, they, they shouldn't do it basically. Okay. They're destroying their body. They're destroying their health. Despite those things, they go, eh, I'm going to go back to sleep. And that alarm rings out for like a day of work. A lot of people are going to force themselves to get up for work. You know why? Because if they don't work, um, they'll lose their house. They lose the place they live. They lose the place they eat. It's, it's directly attached to a primal, um, so, you know, instinct to survive. You're know saying you will not survive if you don't get up and go to work. It's essentially what people know to be true because that's the environment they're in. And so, whereas a lot of our thoughts are inspired by what we know and believe, way more. What I'm suggesting is inspired by the environment. And as a marketer, the flaw that we run into over and over again is that we try to change what people believe. But the environment and what they know, but the environment around them is what puts the greatest input into the animal brain, which runs the show. Um. And so let me give a uh, I, I gave a lot of examples. This is kind of like an extension of the last podcast episode. Um, what I'm saying essentially is that the, 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 the where whereas we know and believe things that will always be overridden and will always be directed most by primal instincts. The brain and the animal brain particularly, the, despite what the upper brain knows, the animal brain particularly always defaults to the path of least resistance. And so when you wake up in the morning just to work out and do whatever you promise yourself you do, even if you know and believe that that is what you should do and your upper brain is fighting for it, the path of least resistance for the animal brain that, you know, satisfies these for survival most is to simply go back to sleep because on a primal level, you're freaking tired, okay? Okay. But you can begin to change the environment a little bit and kind of teeter the odds. I don't remember who who podcast this was, but uh, or who book this was. but They talked about placing their cell phone across the room. So when they wake up, you know, their cell phone is across the room. The environment, it dictates that the path of least resistance for their biology is to shut the cell phone off because you won't even be able to sleep. If you lay back in bed, you'll just be tired and awake, you know. The, the easiest path of resistance for the biology is to go and shut the phone up, and then maybe it can sleep. But then you have enough time to actually, you know, use your upper brain and you know use what you know and believe to override the situation. Okay, um, I gave a lot of examples in this in the last podcast, but I'm not going to assume you've seen that, so I'm going to go a little bit more into them. And so, whereas we try to market and try to change people's beliefs on at the forefront of their mind, what they know, what they believe in, what they what we believe that they feel. Um, where marketers fall short is that the environment is one of the biggest things being entered into that feedback loop. Um, you know, and dictating how people, people move. And so I'm in these arguments with my parents and I'm trying to tell them a different way to live. But at the same time, the world around them is keeping them locked in place. The world around the people that you're trying to serve is keeping them locked in place you know, um, and, and that's why fitness people give the advice that they give. Even if your upper brain knows, that I should go to the gym and I should work out. I shouldn't eat this food. You know that because this certain food is healthy. This certain food won't kill you. This certain food will give you the best figure for people to look at and admire. But still, the animal brain, it craves sugar. If You know, and that's why fitness experts say, hey, when you go on a diet, don't have food in your house. Just don't have food in your house. Um, because the path of least resistance is, If the animal brain wants this sugar and it's right there is to indulge in that. Okay, And so where we are, a lot of us are making mistakes is that, you know, the inputs that we put into our feedback loop only target the upper brain and we do nothing for the actual boss. It's like trying to change a business by trying to change the employee instead of changing the CEO who is Mr. Animal Man. Or Mr. Animal Woman, whoever it is. And so that was the flaw of that feedback loop. And despite what I told people, since the environment around them dictated that what I was doing was threatening their survival, I always lost. Um, this podcast is just going every which way. I'm sorry, I'm just kinda of just like logging what I'm thinking, like I know I'm speaking in like a monotone voice, and and but but I'm, I'm just trying to just get everything like in this podcast so and close this chapter. I actually use this podcast for a large part, which is like telling the world what's been on my mind lately. And this is, this is something that's been on my mind lately, because um, a lot of people believe they could change people by marketing new ideas to them. A lot of and I I was an advocate for this for a long time. I I believe like a lot of the world is changed by like marketing new ideas. But um, what I'm discussing in this podcast episode, obviously, that if you change the brain, what people know and believe, they still, their habits are still carried by the biology, okay? And so what I'm suggesting is this, whereas companies that coach people or train people in, in knock down false belief and fix the mindset of people, as well as teach them tactics and strategies, uh, you'll never create as much impact as a, uh, as a business that actually puts within that field. Sorry, uh, my girlfriend called. And so you put inputs in that feedback loop that actually target the environment. Okay, and that's when you begin to have because you cha- you, you dominate and monopolize what people you know beliefs that people are uh, engaging in, and then you dominate the environment that uh that those beliefs have to actually grow in. And uh, so you target the upper brain and the primal brain. And what that results in is total domination of the outputs of that feedback loop. Not only do you give people something to know and believe, but you give the animal brain an incentive to actually default to partaking in, you know, what that set of beliefs, um, corresponding habits would be, okay? Okay. And so, like, if you believe in like, a, like the, the vegan diet, okay, and all the vegan food sucks, change the environment so now all the vegan food around them is fire, and then they can partake in habits eating vegan food that is corresponding with the beliefs that they have. You understand what I mean? So essentially, what I'm saying is that while companies target what people believe and try to change the world, therefore, and try to create social movement, therefore, the people who are usually at the top of the mountain what they have that others don't is that they can like they, they change people's habits because they change the way not only that they think but the way the biology defaults because they've changed the environment through introducing new technology. Okay? They introduce new technology. Now you can hear about this in my book Designer Manifesto. Um, but um which I'll have a link to all that stuff down in the bio below. But um Man, like, like Elon Musk, okay? Tesla is representative of the idea that the Earth should switch to newer and greener energies and stop doing things that pollute the environment, okay? Whereas people may have had that belief many years ago. They didn't act on it because if you want it, like, at least not entirely. I'm somebody that was green and wanted to change the environment, but I still drove a regular gas car because the only alternative at the time was to ride a bike, So I couldn't participate in the belief that I know and believe to be true because it was not the path of least resistance for my biology. I couldn't effectively do that. Like, it just didn't make any sense. You know, go back to the 1800s. Even now, most people die within 20 miles of their house because most people know and believe that it's fun to travel. It's good to travel, but their biology doesn't default to it because it is also very tedious to travel, you know, in terms of cost and things like that. It's very out of the way. Okay. Now, if you could, for instance, travel from here to anywhere in the world within five minutes, how much do you think travel would increase? It would be the technology that even Russell Brunson, you know, he changed the beliefs that no one should use websites. Everyone should build funnels. But building funnels when he was coming up was an unpopular thing because it was a difficult thing. And then he made click funnels. Okay. Um... Now, I always give this example, I understand, but it's like, because this is literal biology, like people who are suicidal, uh, um, what's the word? Trigger warning. There we go. Trigger warning for anybody who is experiencing something like that. People who are suicidal, they want to die, okay? But even if they know and believe that dying is what they want to do, it's not the path of leaf resistance because it's hard to die. And that's why houses with technology that assists with that. Guns. The suicide rate is triple within those households because if you want to die, but you have to do it with like a blade or something like that. Uh, the path of release resistance that the biology would default to is living, but if it's easy and it's painless because of the technology of guns that is introduced, then you know uh, even if what you know and believe is 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 qualified and, and able to have corresponding habits because it's simple and efficient. Um, As morbid as that sounds, um, I hope I don't upset anybody with with saying that, but, you know, it's just a visceral example to try to really, you know, drill what I'm saying in your head. While as we might have feedback loops and try to input ideas and change people and change their lives and change their relationship with us, it's never going to work unless we find a way to where it is no longer tedious for the biology to default. You know, people in the animal brain just wants the path of least resistance. It just wants something to be easy and simple and straightforward. Okay, and if we can, you know, technology is the thing to make it like that. So when people want to change the world, and this is something that I've done so much previously, I wanted to change the world and change the people around me, but I was marketing to them. I was marketing them very hard. Okay, and that's really what I was doing. But, um, those ideologies, if they don't have a base, uh, because, you know, you don't use technology in tandem with those ideas to change the environment, um, they don't, they would would kind of just float away like balloons. Technology is what grounds ideas into the world and allows people to partake in them. Okay, it's like, that's like a paperweight on the end of a balloon. It grounds the idea. or else the idea. Oh, I'm green just kind of floats away and it's some heady thing that doesn't really have a function to it. Um, so whereas a lot of people focus on the marketing of their thing and they say it's not the thing, it's the marketing of the thing. Um, I think that's a flawed way to look at it. Because the thing itself allows the marketing to actually work its magic past the point of a purchase. A lot of people think marketing is the way people change their lives, but marketing is the way to get a sale but if you notice you have clients and customers that are disinterested in what you do and they kind of just bounce off and they kind of just walk away, they're unexcited, unmotivated, it's because you gave them a new ideology that is tedious to operate on. And, and uh, that, you know, that's, that's, that's what I believe, you know, the truth of it to be. We cannot change the world without technology, no matter how heavily you market it to them. You know, there will always be another source of noise or competitor in that feedback loop of the inputs that you put into people. Your outputs will always be tainted by, you know, someone else's creation of environment until you create the environment of your own. Um, And so I realized while I was young that despite what I taught people in their mind, people will be nice to me. Um, when they have enough willpower to operate their upper brain, you understand what I mean. Um, and we all have gone through this before. Say like everything's good in your household. You're you know you're you're doing everything that someone asks of you. You're doing everything that someone asks of you. But you're also their child or their their, their a little something less than their equal. Maybe even you you are their equal. But every now and then you have bad arguments and they snap on you and they say bad things about you. Whereas there's another person in their life that they never do that to, right? And the reason for that is because you're not directly associated with their survival. Okay, so I can change. I can do everything people around me ask of me. But if their environment is still one that is inputting negative inputs, the outputs that I receive will be a result of that. And so, the reason why I think everyone should be rich is because richness allows you to change the environment. Not only are you directly, because you have money and you can pay them out, pay them to live and things like that, or not only are you directly associated with survival in their mind, uh, particularly if they stop working or something like that. Uh, now, this, is, I'm not saying use this in any sort of manipulative light. If you're manipulative, you're slimy. You're just not going to have a good time in general. I really do believe that because you're putting slimy inputs. People can detect things like that. But I'm saying if if people feel like they can rely on you, or that they do rely on you, um, even if they're completely independent, like they don't need you, but you make their life better in in a in, in a way that's that's kind of like it's a visceral way, in a super impactful way. Uh, And you also control the environment. You can control where they live. uh, All these different things. Um, Suddenly those moments where you're just sitting around the house. You're just chilling around the house. And like let's say a parent would snap on you or something like that. um, Suddenly that changes. You understand? Because even, you know, the problem with those situations that I would, you know, I would routinely be treated badly by people around me for things that I didn't do. OK, because, the for, you know, they love me in are for the forefront of their mind. But when 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 they're exhausted or they're hungry or they're tired and the animal brain turns on, the animal brain doesn't know me from a pile of rocks. And that is just the truth. And those are the moments where you argue with people or they'll treat you poorly or they yell at you or they snap at you or be bullied or be a bully to you or something like that. Um, maybe even a friend comes around. You know what I'm saying? You're suddenly knocked down the total pole in terms of social status. And that person is now the coolest person in the room. You've experienced things like this. People will treat you poorly because of that. But you know, when 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 you're rich, and this is what I believe, you know, those moments are they don't disappear. Obviously, we're still people, but they're minimized. They're minimized. Why do I keep saying that? They're minimized because even when the 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 knowledgeable brain that knows companionship turns off the animal brain still recognizes your value and that what I that's what I believe is the source to a great life you know um one of the things that Owen Cook really broke down to me is that you know companionship and and friendship and love are really things of the higher brain and the DNA doesn't really care jack swat about that the DNA just wants to live just wants to survive just wants to reproduce and make it to the next day so when the DNA takes over people that's when you experience those little moments but if you're still beneficial to the DNA, even if the higher brain doesn't recognize any of those elements like love and compassion and things like that, you're still in the good and it is really when the forefront of our minds get tired and the animal brain takes over and sees that you're like you're like just like let's say you're living with your parents you're just taking money from them you're taking food from that plate you're causing a lot of stress in their life because of those things that you do because you're a kid like that's when the animal brain kind of like acts up a little bit um and so yeah that's pretty much this podcast episode i believe that everyone should be rich because you you know the outputs that you reap are, are a combination between you know the technology that you involve in people which is the way you change the environment, the environment you place people in, aka the technologies, one and the same, and the, the things that you tell them and teach them about you and about the world. Um, so, being a great marketer isn't enough. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say in this episode. Uh, thank you if you listen to the end of this one; that is extremely cool of you to do. That is, that is, that is, that's amazing. Um, if you enjoyed this, rate and review this podcast episode. Okay. Uh, on itunes or whatever you're on subscribe then rate and leave me a little review so that we can benefit from that uh we have a, a summit going on in october coming up so on october 10th is when registration opens it's called the surviving the cancel summit it's on october 10th i'm going to send you to the outro because the outro is going to tell you all about that summit it is going to be absolutely insane. If you're somebody that wants to create a social movement around the business, so profitably create a social movement in reality to get your messages and ideas out into the world. Um, then you're going to want to, you're going to want to uh, attend. It's a free virtual summit, 30 of 30 top podcasters. You, you want to hear this one. It's, it's or slash entrepreneurs that have actually done this millions of people and followers in their social movements. Um, this is one of you, this is what you want to hear. So I'm going to send you the outro and you can listen to that and, uh yeah, man, I hope you check it out. I hope you register. Uh, The summit itself starts on October 12th. But without further ado, peace out. Thanks. Terrible news. A bunch of crazy socialists just decided they didn't like your opinions or your ways of life that much. You have 30 days to build a counter movement of supporters before they cancel your business and your livelihood crashes and burns. How is it, given 30 days, we create a counter-social movement around your business, turning your customers into true fans in the process and rally enough support to survive the cancel? Interesting question, right? That's the exact question I asked 30 insane entrepreneurs who've actually done it before. That's right. I gathered some of the top minds in business, some with millions of followers behind their social movements, and recorded their answers for the world to hear on a free, live summit I'm hosting interested in hearing their answers well you can register for the free summit the surviving the cancel summit at survivingthecancel.com. wait so why are you still here aren't you interested in how some of the sharpest minds to ever exist in business are actively creating social movements around their business that shape the literal culture the literal world that we see around us visually every single day Like this summit is going to be absolutely insane. These business moguls, whatever you want to call them, are going to step by step outline exactly how in 30 days they will unlock the hidden social movement within their business to one, destroy, cancel culture, and to two, affect their customers and clients on such a deep level that they become evangelists for their message. It is going to be insane stuff and you do not want to miss this one. So, again, the summit is at www.survivingthecancel.com. So come and finally learn the difference between being a marketer, someone who can create sales, and being something else. Someone who actually can make an impact in this world.